This is a piece by a guy named Larry Taunton. Larry who? Never heard of her. What sort of a man is he? Pick from Bama. A man like any other, but more so. Well, I thought he was dead. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Let's light this candle. Welcome into the Larry Alex Taunton Show. This is part two of Life is Messy. Yes. So before the break, we had... Our, a, our lives are our, messy. <laughs> our lives are very messy. <laughs> I suspect yours are too. I'm sorry I interrupted. <laughs> so we ended, and I have a question based on other great conversation we had off air. Yes. Thank you to Lori for delicious sandwiches, by the way. Yeah, it was good. they were great. I mean, anything made with butter... But she just steps it up a notch. So I could eat grilled sandwiches all day. You really could. And and so there's that. Yep. But here here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. This is such a heavy topic and somehow I can't stop laughing. <laughs> because, because if you I, don't laugh, know, you'll cry. <laughs> because I know what is behind all this. But anyway, go ahead. So here's the situation. You said something and, and we've all everybody's heard this, but at, at what point when somebody says, you know, I really can't tell you what you've done. I mean, this is like you've referenced the Mar-a-Lago raid. We, th- this is so bad. We can't even tell no. you. Or you're not even allowed to speak because, you know, you know what you've done and it's very bad, but you're not allowed to speak. Yeah. Is it at that point that you think, hmm, what kind of person am I dealing with? Yeah, in a in a very big way, uh, you, you know um, what Amy Beth is talking about here is the the recent, fairly recent raid on Mar-a-Lago. I, I was down there recently with uh, you know a, a lot of Christian celebrities, and for some reason, Eric Metaxas decided that leaving his bingo card in which he had written, you know, taken a sharpie and written nuke codes and left it in, uh, you know, in Melania's uh, closet that he thought that would be funny. Frankly, I thought it was hilarious, but the FBI apparently thought differently. But uh, in all seriousness, it has been interesting because the FBI has yet to reveal why they raided um, Mar-a-Lago. Now, there's, that's not actual due process of law. I mean, they have to have a reason, a search warrant, what they're looking for, what it is that's, that's going on. And, uh, but the, the, the media, uh, which is, you know, which t- is, is a toady, you know, to the, <laughs> uh, to the Democratic Party, they've just continually said, it's just so bad we can't tell you, mm-hmm. you know, what it actually is. And that's meant to smear um, the person you're saying that about while also preventing them from mounting an effective defense all at once. I mean, how can you respond to a charge? How can Trump respond to a charge when he's not even told what it is he's he's being accused of? Right. So when you're dealing with individuals in our lives, and there are people who are like this, that they make the accusation vague um, and they... Um, never, they don't have the courage to speak to you directly. I've had those people in my life. I think you've had them in your life. <clears throat> and if you're any kind of a, a public figure at all, you will get this kind of stuff where there are people who will, who will attack you. And the ones that, of course, it really hurt are the personal ones, you know, people you know, you know, who will uh, level accusations and, uh, and then offer no due process where you can sit down with an individual and say, 
you know, if I'm in conflict with you, I would want to say, you know, Amy Beth, what did I do? You know, give me the chance to repent Mm -hmm. of what I've done. I, I may have offended you without knowing that I've offended you. Please, please give me um, the response to seek forgiveness from you or give me the opportunity to know what it is so that I can say, you know what, I actually didn't do that thing or, you know, I didn't wrong you in that or you're assuming something of my motivations that wasn't there. So that's why that process is so important. You know, why scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Go to that person, lest the devil get a foothold. When you're dealing with individuals who won't grant you that, they mm-hmm. will just, they they will gossip about you. They will level accusations. They will never give you the opportunity mm-hmm. of conversation. Um, you're dealing with people. I like, I like what, um, what one prominent Christian, um, said to me, the people who think the worst of you want to think the worst of you. They want to, they, um, are clinging to that. That for them gives them a certain measure of satisfaction. Maybe they feel spiritually superior to you. And so they want to lord that over you. But you reach a place sometimes with individuals, and this is hard for a guy like me. I, uh, this would will surprise people, you know, who might follow me on Twitter or read my articles. I am fundamentally a people pleaser, meaning I want to be liked. I I want to get along with people. Um, I am grieved over broken relationships mm-hmm. more than the average bear. I'm I'm exactly the opposite from my wife in this. People are surprised to learn this because you would think that the opposite is true. Right. Lori is much more of a dismissive, I'm not bothering with that individual who, you know, who doesn't acknowledge their sin or who who doesn't seek forgiveness for mm-hmm. something they've done wrong to mm-hmm. me or to you. I'm more of the person who pursues and tries to I I I find myself examining my conscience and everything I've done to 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 I my immediate reaction is to assume something is my fault. Right. And um, and to feel guilt, maybe when I shouldn't feel guilt. And so sometimes you have to reach that hard place where you realize there's nothing you can do to bring restoration. That has to be the work of the Holy Spirit because you're dealing with people who are rational, irrational. And sometimes um, the assumption that we're dealing with rational people can get us into trouble because we're not always. I mean, don't you find this is true? I find that to be very true. I have been in situations over the years where you are dealing with people who really think they can reason their way out, they can explain their way out, they can talk through with these irrational people. And I'm saying, no, you don't understand. They're not interested in your opinion. They're interested in being superior to you they're interested in lording over you, whatever and this is, you. and they're interested in hurting you. This is what they want to do. And it is very hard. Um, I read a book, I, Malcolm Gladwell's Talking with Strangers, and, and he did a study, and I don't know if this is true or not, but we want to believe that people are good. We want to believe that they are looking out for us. It is very hard to convince people that this is not always the case. Not only are you not dealing with rational people, the ones who will not allow you to speak, they will not allow you to explain yourself, they will not give you a chance, but they'll shut you down, they'll shut you out, they'll go for long periods of time not speaking to you, ignoring you. And after that time, this is how you really know you're dealing with irrational people, they'll never apologize and then try to slip right back into your life. Yeah, it's, it's the January 6th, 
um, uh, show trial on a personal level. Yes. You know, yes. people who they're going to level accusations. They're going to put you in a in a bad light and never give you a chance um, to um, to give answer. And the people who actually love you, people who actually care about you, um, who are motivated um, by by Christ, by the Holy Spirit, they're not going to assume the worst. And they are going to give you an opportunity to give answer. And they're going to seek restoration. They're going to want restoration um, and reconciliation. And uh, they're just, just sometimes you have to realize that you're dealing with, um, with people who, who don't fall into that category. We've been dealing, you know, with a very difficult um, situation in the life of another individual uh, that we're we're trying to advise, we're trying to help, we're trying to give some wisdom to, and where, you know, you begin to think, I'm not sure this this person is completely rational. Hmm. I'm not sure that that giving logical, thoughtful responses, because based on based on the the, the reaction that's that's coming, uh, is 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 helpful. And so once you've tried that, once you've tried to um, to have peace with a brother and sister in Christ. You've tried going through. And by the way, that process is painful. It is painful. In the best of circumstances, it is painful. But either you know, you can't go through life accusing an individual or something and holding a grudge against an individual that you've never sought restoration with. And and reconciliation is is a hard thing because it means having hard conversations. It means maybe having to admit that you were wrong. A lot of people aren't willing to do that. And, the, you know, they on the front end of a conflict go so far hmm. that they've now created a kind of prison for themselves that it will take it will take a strong measure of humility for them to escape from it, and they're not going to do that. Amen. That you read my mind I exactly was going to the prison mentality. That that's exactly right of their own doing. Yeah, that's the consequence. In that way, they may be reaping the whirlwind um, because there there's no benefit. They don't realize that your behavior, your choices, actually have consequences, and you're going to have to live with this. And it will prevent them from having the humility to say, "I was wrong." And you're right. I, over the years, I'm learning that people do not, they would rather do anything. They'd rather celebrate your wrongdoing or whatever it is you've done. Confess your sin. Confess your sin, delight in it, set up a parade, pointing at you, look at you, you sinner. And then you look back and you're like, and? And there's nothing. And that's very hard because you're not, it's not rational. It's not right. It hurts deeply. And yet... Um, it's what the Lord requires of relationship. If we're going to have authentic relationship, we're going to have to at some point in our life say, you know, I really got that wrong. Yeah, And it, and it doesn't hurt. But we often in this culture, and I said this in part one, worship at the altar of being right. Yeah. And that's wrong. Uh, it's absolutely wrong. And listen, I would say to people who are listening, who are watching um, us in Times Square right now. Absolutely. Don't you know um, it? And in Piccadilly Circus in London, I would want to say to them that if you find yourself in a um, in a conflict right now where it feels there's no windows, no doors, you, you are trying to seek um, um, reconciliation with that person. That person won't see you, won't meet with you, won't talk with you. 
uh, is consistently has has an a, aggressive attitude towards you, I would say back off, but adopt a posture of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Meaning, for those people who have gone so far and have said and done things that that makes it even that much harder for them because they now realize. I have to admit I was wrong about all these things, and it's humiliating to do that. I think we can adopt a posture. I want to say to anybody out, out there who doesn't, you know, who's in mm-hmm. conflict with Larry Taunton, my my posture is one of of forgiveness. It's one of reconciliation, and not of uh, we we by having that posture, we say to that person, if a bridge has been burnt, I didn't burn it. Mm. The bridge, to me anyway, remains open. It remains open. I will receive you. I will hear you. And I think when that person does confess, uh, um, you know, they're wrong to us, when they do humble themselves and, and, and seek forgiveness from us, we can make it easier for them by receiving that. Right. We don't lord it over them. Now, I'm not talking about that you reconcile yourself with people without any real acknowledgement of sin. I mean, I think there has to be genuine acknowledgement of what, do we know what it is that I'm offended about? There's no blanket. There's no, I'm sorry for everything. Like, what is that? Yeah, what do we mean by that? I think there has to be some clarity on what the repentance involves. But I think once a person has done that, I think that 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 we either literally or figuratively throw our arms around their neck and and we say, as the Lord does, as we talked about in, in Jeremiah 31 and Hebrews 8, we remember it no more. Amen. And we don't weaponize that. And the next time that person does something that offends us, we or you know, we we remind them what a good person I really am because I did forgive you of that <laughs> dastardly thing that you did. And so now I'm gonna weaponize it and use it against you henceforth. That is not forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That is not forgiveness. Um, that is just weaponizing a, a person's guilt against them. We forgive and we move on. It's just something I say I've noticed over the years that, that kind of applies here about giving. You know, Fixed Point Foundation, uh, the organization that I direct and that makes shows like this possible is a 501c3. And we are dependent on donations. And please, please go to LarryAlexTaunton.com and uh, um, don't go to the donation tab and please support this organization, this program, because it makes it possible. But, you know, over the years I have learned I don't beg people for money. I don't beg them to give. Um, and I don't want somebody writing a check to Fixed Point Foundation, um, to my organization, to this organization, our organization, uh, grudgingly. I, I want that person mm-hmm. to do it because they're giving. Because a person who does that, um, they're not laying up any treasures in heaven and they're not helping you. They're, they're, they're not. And so often people like that, they're not really giving, they're buying, meaning... There's a feeling that I now owe them something. I am now indebted Important. to them. They, the, there's a check, but there's there's some strings attached to that. And I've learned that there are some people, and it's hard to do, but somebody's sitting down to write you a $25,000 check, and you have to put your hand on their, their the pen as they're writing and say, no, 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 no. I don't want you writing it like this. This is not this is not what I want. Well, there's some people, their forgiveness, their strings attached. It's uh, extremely conditional. Um, and and they like to mention 
what swell people they were five years from now because, you know, I forgave you of that. And no, 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 that's not forgiveness. That's not what that looks like. And so um, I feel like this is... Uh, this is not this is not a real helpful thing when when people do that. So we've talked about forgiveness, and I really appreciate what you just said there, and dealing with um, what that looks like, that posture of receiving, yeah, which I think is critical. I also think it's so important to know that you've said this several times today that God sees, God knows. He's got this situation. And in the end, I know somebody who walked through a circumstance. And after our break, I will tell you what the Lord allowed her to do. Off air. <laughs> that is just, <laughs> I'll save it for on the air. That's just awesome because it's a reminder that God yes. really does have it. And He is for all of us. Yeah. And I love that. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Larry is my favorite player. Welcome back. So there is hope in this discussion, and that is that in authenticity, in the confession of sin, there is freedom. Um, and I know someone who had the opportunity to confront... It's a friend. A friend. <laughs> I have a friend. Uh, where are my fictional people names? Let's name them right now. Um, how about... Trudy. Okay, I love Trudy. Let's use Trudy because so Trudy. obviously fictional. So yeah. obviously fictional. And um, um, uh, Gert. Trudy and Gert. Uh, and Gert. Everyone, I, how do we feel about I come that? Up with I feel Gert. good about that. I come up with Gert because I was on IMDb and I uh, saw <laughs> a guy. I saw a German actor by the name of Gert. His name was Gert? His name was Gert. Yeah, it really was. Now you think there were even the, uh, you know, the, what is it, the diureses or the Unlot over the uh, the U, but there anyway, you go being fancy. I think so over the E. Excuse me, but yes. So I don't. So what did Trudy do? <laughs> so Trudy had an opportunity to speak to the accusers. Yeah, and though it didn't go well in the terms of what we would define as oh that success, Trudy was heard. <clears throat> Trudy had a dream that night about Isaiah 54, and then went to church the next day, and the church organist mentions Isaiah 54. And here's the verse. And Trudy says, this is exactly what I was allowed to do, and I can hold my head up in peace. But the verse Isaiah 54, 17 says that, but in that day, come in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. And Trudy tearfully says to me, I was able to refute every single word calmly, peacefully that had been said against me. And even though they rejected it, I told the truth with the witness with me. And I can hold my head up because even though they still rejected me, I was able to combat every lie that they had said about me yeah. to their face, and I'm free. And I thought that is such a wonderful remembrance that God ultimately is our vindication, but that He will now or later give us an opportunity, whether He does it in the end or we will do it in our lives have an opportunity to silence the voices that have been raised up against us. And I was 
very inspired when this person called to tell me what had happened in their life because it's rare. Yeah. But it was beautiful. You know, when reconciliation, forgiveness and reconciliation is beautiful. It's, I mean, if you think about the, um, the stories we're most drawn to in the Bible, uh, stories, you know, uh, classic stories of forgiveness and reconciliation, we're deeply, deeply moved by them. And oddly enough, when they, people have opportunity for them in their own life, they're bitter, uh, often bitter and unforgiving. Mm, right. and, uh, and then they're sure they have a reason for behaving um, the way they are. And yet the whole Bible, the, the, the Bible story is God's forgiveness and reconciliation. And, and the key word we haven't discussed here, and maybe it, it, it becomes something we discuss at another time, is restoration. Amen. It's beautiful restoration. It's you are, you, it isn't simply that God forgives you, but he restores you. How beautiful and wonderful is that? That's the biblical story. And we have the opportunity because we are individuals Listen, I think fundamentally unforgiving people are people, because I've had a lot of reason to think deeply on this question, I've decided that they're people who do not realize the depth of their offense against God. And you may say, well, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Because I think if you know, if you have any idea of the depth of your offense against God, the way the Bible lays it out... um you will be a forgiving person. That's right. When you've been transformed by grace and experience it inwardly, you will ex- you will experience it and demonstrate it outwardly. This is what I call the grace effect. And um, a book by that name, which you can get at bookstores, find bookstores everywhere, and please buy it in bulk. But I will say that <laughs> the uh, I, I think that there are people who haven't thought deeply. In other words, they know the Christian language that we're all sinful, we all need the grace of God, but they never quite internalized it. Right. You need to spend a, a, a few moments sitting on your dock, on your front porch, laying in bed before you go to sleep, pondering the depth of your depravity. Amen. Because most of us, most of us say to ourselves, you know, I'm not as good as some, but I'm better than most. God does not grade on a curve. He doesn't grade on a curve. But that isn't the way it works. We are all wicked. Romans 3, we have all together, they have become worth it. They've turned aside. That's us. Now, I know most Christians who are listening, they know that language. And because of it, it's it sometimes doesn't really penetrate their heart. They know it up here, but not really here. And I think if you spend time pondering your offense against God, that God himself had to die for your sins. I mean, just spend a little time thinking about that, that it wasn't the injustice that led to his death. I mean, it was in the sense of, of the Jews and the Rome, Romans of his time, but, but God himself said, in order for man to be redeemed, that debt, that penalty must be paid, and it must be paid in blood. Wow. And that, that, that would be true whether it was just you alive or, or just me alive. The depth of Larry Taunton's sins, they are so great that death is required to redeem him. Wow. Who am I to hold um, you know, an unforgiving heart towards an individual? Now, there are people I can think of that are unforgiving towards me that have never given me the opportunity to give answer for this or that or 
or whatever who accuse you wrongly of things um, and who they, they want to do that. They even relish um, in doing that. With people like that, I think you just have to move on. Yes. I think you just have to say, insofar as it depends upon me, the Apostle Paul, Romans 12, I am at peace with all men. I tried. I did what I could. And I maintain, as we said earlier, that posture yes. of forgiveness. Because if you think about it, oftentimes I think the reason reconciliation doesn't occur is because once the breach in the relationship has occurred, there are people who want reconciliation, but the risk of seeking it means making yourself vulnerable. How will Amy Beth treat me when I when I um, make myself vulnerable to her? Mm -hmm. And I say, I am so what if she tramples me and I don't think I could survive that. I think that if if I ask her forgiveness and she refuses and she she spits on it, I, it might just reduce me to you know rubble right there on the spot. I, I think that's a real thing. Right. So I, that's why I think that posture uh, towards people that says, I'm prepared to meet you and I'm prepared to not make you grovel. Right. Um, I know people who, um, a radio host in this town, who says that we are, um, you know, that uh, speaking of, uh, of a sinner, you know, uh, he, should, he should grovel for us. The Lord never says that. That's pathetic. That is a complete misunderstanding of their own sinfulness. Never, never says that. The Lord no. never says that. In fact, um, the Lord tells you, the Lord tells you, in effect, to, to hold your head high as a child of God. Meaning, once you've been forgiven, there are people who will tell you, "How dare you hold your head high?" They want to make you wear, you know, there's the scarlet A, there's yes. the scarlet whatever your sin. They want to make you wear it all the time. They want to remind you of it. That's not the God of the Bible. That's satanic. There's a reason that Satan is referred to as the accuser. His is a spirit of accusation. He accuses the children of God, and the Lord says, no, no. So once you've been forgiven, you hold your head high and you move on. And, and, uh, and, and, I, and I think this is also very important, Amy Beth. I said this you know, in the first, in the first uh, part of this. I have learned a lot in recent years through my own suffering, be it emotional or physical. I've learned what it means to trust God. And by that, I don't mean I, I have plumbed the full depths of that. I'm sure there's a lot more that I have to learn, but I, I've learned a lot more than I did learn. And I've learned that I have to, you know, and speaking with, recently with individuals going through a very difficult time, you know, my advice to him, which came from, very practical experience was Proverbs says there is a way that seems right to a man, but it only brings him death. Meaning yes. you can follow your own wisdom. You can choose to ignore what God has to say about this sinful situation. And you can follow your heart a way that seems right to you. And the devil says that, the, excuse me, the Bible says that way is death. Or you can do what I know feels unnatural to you because it's not where your heart is. It's not the direction you want to go. And it's a hard way, and that is to trust the Lord. And where he's saying, do you trust me with this relationship? Do you actually trust me in this? Do you believe that I, can, that I have control of this? Trust me. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I would love to tell you that all of these broken relationships, it always ends with a perfect bow. It does not. Mm-hmm. Not in this life. There are people who are unforgiving and choose not to trust the Lord, but the Lord will bless you yes. if you follow him. That's right. He will bless you when you say, Lord, I have sinned. I acknowledge my sin. I stand before you. I ask you, I ask you for your forgiveness and I ask you to restore me. The Lord is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of our unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. He will. And he says elsewhere, you, if, if you return to me, you will stand before me and I will restore mm. you. That is, Those are awesome words. You can choose to trust. And whatever happens in these other relationships, you can't control, but the Lord will bless you. Mm. Okay, wow. Uh, that Those are really good news. Uh, that... that um... That's great news, actually. Let, let me let me add this, Amy Beth, real clear here, because I don't want to be accused of health wealth gospel. Oh yeah, oh yes. I don't want I know somebody. What you're saying. I don't want somebody hearing me and saying that I am saying, the, you know, some kind of you know Christianized version of karma. That if you obey him, that you know your mortgage will always be paid, and you will never know pain or suffering. And that you get is a new car. Point. And yeah, that's right, or or a Dodge Ram. Yes. But <laughs> I uh, I'm not saying that. I God's blessing will 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 come in peace in the the issues that we're talking about. In other words, God can choose to give you that Dodge Ram or something else if he wants to, and sometimes he does. But but the blessing that I'm referring to here isn't in, isn't health and wealth. It's it's of a, it's of spiritual wealth. It's of a, an assurance that I have done what he uh, I, I've done what he wanted me to do here, and that he controls it, and he is not displeased with me. What a wonderful place to be! And good news indeed. And I, that's what people are after, right? Is the peace of God yep. and the peace of Christ. I mean, that's isn't that what makes a great story? Is the peace is upset. And the, the protagonist is always after restoring the peace. Mm-hmm. And we have our, our Savior who is the restorer of peace. Um, but I love that. So Let's here it is. Let's hit this topic. This Let's big, do this. This big fat one right this here. This is giant. This is my eyes have been open, I would say, in the last 10 years to the reality of spiritual warfare. Yeah. And it's something that when you're younger, you hear it, you grow up and you're in the church and you you're like, spiritual warfare. And you're like, oh, I'm scared. And then you realize, <laughs> oh my goodness, we are truly coming against. You haven't been calling Manti Teo, have you? <laughs> <laughs> you, guys, you, guys, you guys would have anyway, to uh, you gotta watch, watch that documentary. It's very, very interesting. The Manti anyway. Teo documentary is what Larry has talked about uh, all day today. Yes, I have. And I'm, Chris I'm and I are going to watch it, and I can't wait. It's an actually a powerful story of forgiveness of an individual, so far as I know, has never really asked for forgiveness. Yes, it's a beautiful but, story. Um, but, but well, the forgiveness is the, the beautiful forgiveness. part. The other part is weird. really, really weird and messed Disturbing. up. Disturbing. May hurt but, my stomach. I don't know. spiritual warfare is is very real, and when we're talking about conflict... Um, well, let's just take World War II, for example. Um, I'm sure you know exactly where I'm going with this. <laughs> um, and, and not, I'm joking. But towards the, you know, after the D-Day invasion, as the Russians are moving in on Germany from the east and the, the, uh, the British and the Americans and, uh, and a couple of French um, are trying to move in on the, uh, on, on the Germans from the west, Hitler's strategy, he knew he was not going to win on the battlefield, so he tried 
to turn the allies against each other. He tried to break up the coalition. Mm. And he did this with, um, with propaganda. He did it with false uh, um, reports. He did it with um, all sorts of ways that he tried to break up the coalition. And, uh, you know, uh, Tacitus long ago, the Roman historian, um, he's famous for many things, but the phrase divide and conquer. Yes. And long before Tacitus, you know, wrote that in the first century uh, BC, I think, um, Satan's been doing it forever. Mm. And uh, Satan, you know, if you look in uh, the book of Acts, there are a series of attacks on the church from that try to destroy the unity of the church from within. The story of Ananias and Sapphira, for instance, is one of them. There's persecution from, from without, and then there is an attempt to destroy the church from within, try to destroy church unity. You have the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5, and then in the very next chapter, you have the, a complaint arose among the Hellenists against the Jews that their, their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of bread. So again, actually a charge of racism right there to destroy the unity within the church. So the, the devil is alive, he's real, um, he is going to try to destroy unity, and... Um, uh, within ministries, within churches, within families, marriages, uh, businesses, wherever Christians are being effective. Now, does that mean that everything that happens is done by the devil? No, you have sin nature, you know, aplenty. But it means that when we do find ourselves in conflict, when we have sinned, we acknowledge that sin, we deal with that sin, uh, we forgive, we reconcile, and we restore, we move forward. And uh, unfortunately, many Christians default not to, to a biblical response. They, they default either to something that, I, that I've noticed a lot in, uh, in recent years, which is they default to legal you know, issues. They're yes. more concerned. They're more concerned about the law with a lowercase L than the law with a capital L, Jesus's, you know, Jesus's law. Um, they're uh, they're much more concerned about that, which I find deeply unsettling within Christian ministries and within the church. Um, and um, they default to their own wicked human natures. You know, so I find that when pressure is applied to the church, or applied to a ministry, or applied to a family, whatever your your sinful nature is, is what's going to come out. the The person who's given to um to bitterness becomes deeply embittered the person who is is given to gossip gossips the 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 person who is prideful becomes ambitious and you know these things start to manifest themselves mm -hmm. unless we play you know like whack-a-mole we are you know with the help of the holy spirit in prayer uh, scripture we're knocking down those sinful tendencies and we are trying our best to steer the car out of the ditch and to follow a biblical path, which isn't easy. But, but I really feel that that uh, spiritual warfare is so real, and there's nothing there's nothing Satan wants more than to turn Christians against other Christians and to give you this this prideful, justified feeling that your attitude, you're right in having that unforgiving spirit. Mm. So to that end, do you have any final thoughts on that? Because I think the idea of spiritual warfare is powerful. It is real. I hate that it took me until I was 50 till I realized how very real it, it, it is. But final thoughts on that. 
Well, I, you know what? I'm just going to tennis ball that and pong it right back to you because I know, Amy Beth, that you have a lot of really profound thoughts on this issue. So what would you say? I would say to pray for eyes that are open. I would say to be very aware of what is going on around you because not only spiritual warfare is very real to me, but also the Beatitudes, number one, chiefly among for me right now is that the Lord reminds me of is, um, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God and who doesn't want to see God. And we can't see unless we have his eyes to see. And that's something that, that I ask for and that ask for, for my family is God, let us see you. We want to see you. Obviously I'm not pure in heart because I'm a wretched rotten sinner, but that is the goal. Right. Um, But when it comes to spiritual warfare, divide, devour, and destroy is the message of the enemy. And we're teaching this to our kids, that um, unity is is the deal. This is what the Lord is after, is unity. And so whatever comes against that, whatever comes against the Lord, be very careful. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to that. Be on your guard. It is not a joke. Spiritual warfare is real. We've experienced it. Um, but, but I've noticed even as the culture is waking up, as believers around the world are waking up to the times in which we live, to the Marxism in culture, even that end, mm-hmm. spiritual warfare, it's all around us. And so I would, chiefly for me is, oh God, give me eyes to see. Please let me see. Please also let me keep a short account with you so that my sin doesn't blind me so that I miss you. That's fabulous. And I will... I will end by circling back to something that I said early on, and it will maybe to some it will seem like an odd place to go. But um, if you've had you know real reason to think on this issue deeply, you will discover um, why I say it, uh, and that's the fear of the Lord. Mm, amen. Uh, the fear of the Lord should be very real in your life, and I don't mean just a healthy respect. I mean where you're thinking about saying something or doing something to another human being, and what restrains you is the fear of the Lord. And if you're an unforgiving person, you need to fear the Lord. You need to genuinely fear the Lord. If you're contemplating saying or doing something vicious and cloaking it in some kind of, you know, spiritual, um, you know, uh, 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 cloth uh, to, to give it some kind of legitimacy, you need to fear the Lord. If you're a person who has denied forgiveness, you should fear the Lord. And so I think that that having a, um, a, a, on the one hand, really trusting the Lord and on the other, fearing the Lord serves those two things. They, they serve as, as markers to keep you in the middle of the road because they're 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 both excellent and necessary uh, uh, restraints and impulses because you, you and they will drive you to seek reconciliation. They will drive you to 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 seek uh, the forgiveness of an individual that you have wronged or to give it mm-hmm. to um, um excuse me to offer your 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 own uh, confession uh, to someone. So the fear of the Lord on one hand and the um, a trust in the Lord on the other, I think, are are, are vital to this issue. Mm. So the two verses then are uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? And trusting in the Lord with all of your heart and not leaning into your understanding, which you touched on earlier, um, 
those are the ways in which the Lord's going to bless you. And he'll make you. your path straight. But it's he'll actually make your path straight. Quite accidentally with my metaphor, keeping it straight in the middle there. <laughs> I mean, so, yes. look at what you did. Yes. You're like the professional. Who wow. knew? <laughs> I well, did that by accident. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for <laughs> being with us uh, for the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Uh, life is messy, and we hope we'll, you'll uh, join us next time. Turn out the lights. The party's over. They say that all. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful for the standing ovation, but there will be no encore for today's performance. Please exit the building in an orderly fashion. Thank you. Honey, can we leave now? <laughs>